What's up, you beautiful people? This is Gary Horn, and this, well, this is the NWA, a podcast celebrating the past, present, future, history, legacy, tradition, all of it, of one of the greatest pro wrestling entities of all time. I'm talking about that National Wrestling Alliance, and I've got a very special one for you today. Well, we'll talk about it in just a minute, but I do want to address the elephant in the room. That elephant is, I did finally shower today. I was debating it. I woke up late. I'm working from home right now. God bless it. I have a job, so no complaints there. But I woke up really late, almost missed signing in at the right time. Anyway, I have been stinky all day. But now, now my friends, I have showered. I am now clean. But seriously, hey, look, a lot of things have changed since the last time we talked, and a lot of stuff is still going to continue to change. I want you people to know that you have been the best people in the world. The thing is with me that I want to make clear is the only thing this has ever been about for me is community. It's been about you guys, getting to know you guys. The important parts for me are all still there. When I was feeling down about the turn of events or the way things weren't going to happen the way that I wanted them to, you guys were all there. And I got so many messages and so many comments into just, just really good people like you talking to me and i i want to let you know i i 100 do appreciate it thank you so much this is a hard time for everybody so the fact that anybody even takes like two minutes of their time or 10 seconds of their time to say hey what's up gary that means a ton to me and so the show must go on and the show will go on i love you guys we are in this together i want to let you know this thing is only going to continue to grow and the way that it's going to grow is not monetarily i'm talking about this thing is going to grow as a community. So if you're out there and you have ideas for NWA content, you have stuff you want to say, whatever, just just hit me up. My DMs are open. This is the NWA. When I'm talking about that, that means us. That means we're all the NWA. Not just the talent, not just David Lagana and Billy Corrigan. It's the fan community as well. And that's not about me, man. That is about all of us. I want us to grow and spread this thing like wildfire. I want the NWA to be successful. And who knows, down the line, what other new ideas and everything we have coming out of that. Are you guys okay? I hope you're doing okay. We're in uh, day number whatever this is. I've been, I, I don't even know what day it is anymore. I've been in my house for like a week uh, with like not even stepping outside. That's not true. I step outside, but try not to go out and do too many things. We're going to flatten the curve as the TV keeps telling us. But anyway, you know, we're going to get through this thing together. God willing, everybody's going to be fine, and I, I love all of you, and I appreciate all your interaction. I think this is tough on a lot of people, but hopefully we're doing our small part on what we can, and, and you guys are all doing it as well. I see you out there busting your tails and working. I see all of our grocery workers and our medical workers and everything else out there. You guys are, are killing it, and uh, thank you so much for all you do. All we can do right now is put out this uh, content and hope you guys are entertained at least for a little while. Uh, by our stuff there's lots out there so we're like i said we're gonna get through this thing together we we love you guys though and, and thank you for all of your support uh today's interview is one i am super proud of honestly this i, I couldn't have asked for a better interview uh if you don't know today we're talking to mr george 
South, George South, been in the wrestling business for well over 40 years, uh, known as one of Ric Flair's favorite opponents, a journeyman wrestler, if you will. Uh, George South has seen it all, and uh, he just recently debuted on the NWA Circle Squared, which is, you know, maybe his first appearance in the modern, quote-unquote, NWA. He made quite the impression. Uh, gentleman's been around a long time, but he uh, still offered something fresh and unique, I think, that people really grabbed a hold of uh, in his match against Colby Carino. We're going to talk about that and his history in the National Wrestling Alliance. George, I mean, he seems like he could be a really intimidating individual, and as he should, but uh, I got to say he was super patient with us during this situation because, uh, if, as you'll hear, at one point in the recording, there is an area where one of the wires goes bad. We get a lot of clicking sound. Now, just stick with it. I hope you're listening to this. Just stick with it. It's, it's like a minute long. And I had to leave it in because he's dropping some knowledge, and, and my God, the guy just drops knowledge all through this show. So you gotta, you gotta listen to it. But uh, just bear with it for like a minute where it gets kind of bad. I tried to fix it as best I could. I, I think you can still hear hear him very well. But uh, anyway, we, we ran into all kinds of technical difficulties where the call dropped at one point, and blah blah blah. And as intimidating as Mr. South can be, somehow. He was very patient during all of this, a very nice guy. And uh, I, guys, this is educational. This was educational for me. You know, George South is responsible for training a lot of students of the game right now. And, uh, and you're, you're going to see why, because just in this podcast interview, you can learn a lot about the wrestling industry. I can't wait for you to hear it. So I won't talk anymore. Let me just say that, as always, I am at this is Gary Horn on all the social medias, but most importantly, the podcast. It's at the NWA pod on everywhere that you can uh, get your podcast, every social media at the NWA pod. Just give us a search. You'll find us. It's, this is the NWA. Thank you guys so much for subscribing. We're here with you. you. Reach out if you need to talk to somebody. We're all for our community and what we can do. Uh, with our NWA fans, and uh, it's, it's going to be a weird time, but we're going to make it through this. All right, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here he is, Mr. George South. record and i am sitting here with the legendary george south who everybody just saw on the circle squared for nwa uh mr south thank you again uh and all the fans thank you for uh being willing to talk to us today yes thank you so much buddy i'm looking forward to it man yeah that was a, a real good experience going down there again for the nwa so uh, i enjoyed it thank yeah. you yeah, and, I, and I, I'm going to ask you about that one, but I did want to take a second, too, to plug that I haven't got this yet, so if this goes good enough, I want to read this, and I want to get back to you again someday, maybe. Uh, you, you've got a book out there called Dad, You Don't Work, You Wrestle. Yes, sir, I sure do. I, I'm awful proud of it. Uh, you know, we all, especially in the wrestling business, we you know we all hope to write a book one day, and, and it was just the craziest thing. You know, my whole career, I had... Uh, you know, I'd always took notes and just some neat things that had happened over the years. I just, you know, wrote it down, on, you know, on the back of a popcorn box or, you know, a napkin and just held on to it. And then, uh, 
years ago, I met Mark James, you know, up there in Tennessee, who actually did, uh, you know, Bill Dundee's book and Dutchman Tales and uh, just unbelievable guy. And we hit it off good. And uh, I mean, he just, you know, I always told him I wanted to do a book. And uh, he said, well, show me what you got. Next thing I know, he put this thing together. And uh, I'm awful proud of it. Very, you know, the, the greatest compliment I ever got on it, buddy, is when uh, I, I gave it to a lot of the boys, you know, a lot of the guys. And I didn't put anything sad. And I know this sounds crazy right off the bat, Gary, but, you know, I've had guys say, well, there's nothing dark. You know, there's nothing sad in that book. And, and, and believe me, I've had a lot of sad and dark in my life. But, no, I thought, man, pro wrestling's been the greatest thing, uh, you know, in my life. And uh, I've done it my whole life. and so. I wanted every story to be in it that was just uplifting and just some great crazy stuff, and uh, it, it's still out there. I mean, we're 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 still selling it, you know, every every show, and and people love it. I mean, I'm just so thankful that we put it together. And you know, I gave one to Ron Bass, old cowboy Ron Bass, one time, and when he finished with it, there he told me he said, you know, I felt like we were just sitting around talking, and that was like one of the greatest compliments too. You know that I wanted it to be that. You know, and and so it's doing great. I'm I'm still proud of it. But you know, everybody always asks me about the title, and, and you know, Gary, when my kids, I've got twins, uh, uh, girls that are 20 years old now, but and but when they were like 10 years old, I'd come in off the road, and you know, that's basically what the world thinks that pro wrestling is not a job. You know, <laughs> they think you've just been doing it for fun. But I remember coming in one night, and I told my daughter she better go to bed because I got to go to work, and you know, that little smart aleck looked at me at 10 years old and said, you know, Dad, you don't work, you wrestle. And I thought, man, if I ever write a book, there you go. I'm going to title it that. So there we go. But thank you so much for that. It's doing great. Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the sad thing. I, I was looking at it on Amazon just now, too, just seeing where all it was available. And it's pretty much everywhere. But And on your site and all that, too, if people want to check it out with me, because I'm, I'm definitely going to. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, there was one review in there, and it was still a good review. And uh, it was like probably, I mean, it was like a four out of five star review or something. And somebody said, my only thing is, is I can't believe there's no dirt in this. Like, he just doesn't. <laughs> he was like, hey, you know, I guess he didn't want to gossip or something, but he was like, right, you're just used, exactly. to, used to hearing everybody give dirt on people or something. No, you know, and I've even had, and that's what I loved about Mark James before he mashed, you know, done. I mean, before he pushed that button for it to go to print. Sure. We both know, you know, people love dirt and, and, it'll, and it'll help sell. And he was so respectful of me. And uh, before we so we put, before we put it out, I, I knew then that I didn't want any of that. I've seen a lot of, you know, bad stuff in wrestling, a lot of heartache. But I thought, no, no, I, you know, one of these days I'm gonna, I'm gonna be an old man looking back over this book, and I don't want anything. Uh, you know, if anything, I want people to read it. I mean. You know, I, Tommy Dreamer gave me such a good review. You know, he took one home and read it, and, and it's just a lot of great, just a great, great stories of uplifting. But you're right. It's funny. People come back, and you tell me all the time, man, that's a great book, but, man, you didn't say one bad thing about nobody. And I'd have to start with myself, Gary. You know what I'm saying? I was going to give you some dirt, but I could write a whole other book on my dirt. But I thought, nah, not this, buddy. So just too many good things. No, that's a that's a good way of looking at it. Hello. People are not going to be able to appreciate how stressed out I am right now. <laughs> like, <I'm gonna laughs> Don't you worry about thing. that, man. I, 
No, buddy, I'm good. Don't you worry about that. We'll get it. Hey, hey, I just try to be respectful of your time and everything else, and it's just it's so annoying because it's been working fine, and then all of a sudden today everything's breaking on me. So No, I, I understand that. I, 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 I've been there, buddy. I, I'm there now <laughs> just about every day, so – We'll get through it. Thank you. Yeah, for everybody listening at home that's not going to know everything we just went through, uh, despite what you may have seen on the Circle Squared, Mr. George South is one of the most patient individuals that you will ever meet. Well, I, appreciate <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I do. Turn that camera on and I go crazy. But yeah. No, I appreciate it. So let me ask you this too. Well, another thing people should check out if they hadn't, I've seen it on YouTube and elsewhere, but you, you were in a documentary called The Ropes. And, right. Uh, yeah, and that was that was pretty interesting seeing you talk on there a lot. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, the, the well, you know it's crazy when they put you they put a camera in your face and say, "Can we follow you around?" And you know, to me, I still, uh, you know, kayfabe is still very important to me. And I mean, I've had guys, "Can we hook a mic to you?" And and you know, it's kind of hard to set up a ring and 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 really do everything you got to do with a big old microphone hanging around your neck, you know, and so. Uh, those guys there, when we did that, the ropes uh, at our huge Rasselcade event, it, it was uh, it was almost like they wasn't around, and I kind of love that because I was able to do all that stuff that we had to do, and and you know they're not right there, you know, because you still got to work, you know, you still right. got to put things together, and so uh, I appreciate that. It, it's crazy, man. I you look at that thing, and it's like over like two hundred thousand people have. I mean, it's unbelievable how many people have watched that thing. It's just crazy. But, yeah, they did a great job on that. Yeah. Let me ask you this, too, before I move on. What What is with the superheroes on your jacket? Just curious. You know what? Yeah, you know what's so amazing? And I've had so much great Facebook posts on that jacket since I wore it out at NWA. But it, as simple as it sounds, uh, I've got five grandbabies, uh, Gary, of all ages, and they love superheroes. And so when they find uh, a patch or get a patch, they give it to me. So I went and, and had them just sewed on my old ring jacket. So as much as I'm gone and on the road and, you know, with my own children, I was gone so much when they were growing up that, you know, I'm really trying to make up for lost time with these grandbabies. So to me, and this will probably kill my whole bad guy heel image, but, uh, you know, I wear that ring jacket. And to me, it's just like taking my grandbabies on the road with me. And, you know, I, some wrestling fans probably thinking, oh, man, he just killed what I thought about him, you know? <laughs> I thought he was mean. And, and it, But honestly, and then, because I know uh, I was reading some of the comments of fans that when they saw it, they said, how can I take this guy serious with Batman on his jacket? You know, and I think, wait a minute, buddy, I'm going to come knock on your door and explain this to you, <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, but that's simply it. I mean, people, uh, it's just a real old green jacket I've had forever. And, and so each little patch on that thing is something that my grandbabies had give me. And it's just, man, when you're on the road to, you know, four or five days at a time and you've missed a birthday or something like that. And, and it's, it, uh, you, you wouldn't believe how much that old jacket is, uh, can mean to you. And it's just that, that, that simple. It's just a part of them that they give to me. And man, I don't think I'd take a million bucks. For that old ring jacket. So yeah, they. It's kind of neat that you asked that, yeah, because ninety-five percent of the comments wasn't about my match; it was about my ring jacket. 
Well, well, at least they're talking, but that's it. Oh, well, yeah, man, and I'll tell you what. Be careful on the internet, because the comments are not a good gauge of everything sometimes. No. When you get on there. No. And it could be a cesspool sometimes of crap. Right, it sure could. And, 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 you know, Gary, I know there's good and bad and everything. And I hate it personally because... Uh, and I don't, you know, I don't argue with people or anything like that, but it'd be like if me and you go to the circus and all you want to do, Gary, is just sit there and watch and it, it, the circus and eat your popcorn. But I'm sitting beside you and the whole time I'm telling you uh, and commenting on this circus and by, you know, pretty soon you're going to punch me right in the head, you know, because you just want me to be quiet and uh, just be a fan. And that's what I tell fans. I've been telling them that for years. Just, you know, quit trying to figure things out sometimes and just. Don't analyze it. Just enjoy it. But you're right. I, I, I agree with you on that. But yeah, and that's a. I mean, and, and what what we try to do with like all the stuff we talk about, we're just fans of it uh, over at our podcast right. and then our after show. We just we just enjoy the show, and generally, even when we're doing like our after show for NWA Power or whatever, we're just trying to talk right. about it as what we, what we saw on television. What do we? I think love that. We, you know, just talking about the stories we're seeing take place in front of us because yeah I'm, I'm with you I, I like just enjoying it me too I think that's the best way to do it but I do have to ask you on, on your documentary well now I've got so here's the thing I got all kinds of places I want to go with you but I, I'm going to start here I was reading and and looking up some stuff about you and I think on the documentary you talked about you were doing truck driving like 17 years old right before you got into the business right. so what what's curious about that for me is did you always, because one of the big parts you talk about with wrestling and some of the stress and some of the uh, wear that goes on your body and that sort of thing, and it comes from that travel all the time. It right. sounds like you were always just like you needed to get out on the road or something. Do you feel like that was the case? Well, you know, at 10 years old, uh, uh, Gary, I turned the TV on one day, and I know you know a lot of the fans nowadays won't understand this, but you know, here in the Carolinas, you know, Midland Championship Wrestling came on the same time every Saturday and I had never seen it. I sit down one day, uh, in the living room floor, turn the TV on, you know, 10 years old and saw the Anderson brothers against Paul Jones and Walter McDaniels. That's the first time I'd ever seen it. And buddy, I fell in love. I mean, it was just like the greatest thing I'd ever seen. And then we found out, of course, you can go see it live, you know, and, uh, man, I just fell in love with it. And then from that time, I, I knew that, that's what I want to do. I, I, there's got to be a way I can do this. And again, then, of course, there was no wrestling schools on every corner, you know, and, and this is what I teach at my school. When I first tried to get into wrestling, Gary, what fans don't understand is they didn't want you in it. In other words, these old timers that looked at it as you're going to take my job if I let you in. Right. So there was no way to get in unless unless they basically beat you to death and you didn't go up and pay money. You didn't care. You did not get into wrestling because you were going to take, you want to take their job. And, uh, and I was just so hard headed that I wasn't going to take no, you know, for an answer. Of course, back then there was no internet or anything like that. So, so you, you would uh, get a wrestling magazine and find an address or something and you'd mail a letter. And, and, and I just knew, I said, there's gotta be a way that I can do this. And, and I mean, I knew I was just, not, uh, just so stubborn. I wasn't going to take no for an answer. And, and I finally ended up, there, there was a little old, it wasn't even called the wrestling school. There was a place in Gastonia, North Carolina that it's funny because the old building is still there. 
I mean, people say, describe it. And I said, well, it looks like an old Scooby-Doo, one of these old warehouses, you know, from one of these Scooby-Doo cartoons. Right. And, and I walked in it, and there was, you know, a real old wrestler in there and a big old Samoan and, and this lady wrestler. Man, I was, you know, I wasn't even 18. I walked in and from driving the truck, and I just, that, you know, I, the door was open. I walked in. They said, what do you want? I said, I want to be a pro wrestler. And they said, okay. And I thought, man, this is pretty easy. The next thing I know, for the next hour and a half, uh, uh, Gary, they beat me to death. I mean, literally. They, they, it's probably against the law what they did to me uh, because they were trying to teach me, no, you don't want to be in this. And so, uh, you can, of course, you got, you know, you could do that now, somebody sue you or whatever, but they basically, for an hour and a half, just beat me to death. I mean, they, they broke my nose, they tore my clothes off. I literally crawled out that front door and I said, I hate wrestling. I'm never going to go back. But again, I was so stubborn, Gary, that the next day I went back. And they, if you could have saw their expressions, and when I walked back in, I remember it like it was yesterday, was almost 41 years ago. And, and, and they said, he, he's either, he really either wants this or he's the dumbest guy we've ever met in our life. <laughs> and uh, a week later, believe it or not, I, I mean, I started, uh, well, they got me back in the ring then and you know trained me real fast, whatever they could. And but anyway, just to sum that up, I, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm still a big fan of it. I mean, you know, going to the matches, of course, when I was little, and I just always knew that uh, the traveling's never bothered me. Of course, you know, I've missed my kids and you know missed a lot of birthdays and proms and stuff like that. But uh, man, I love it to this day. I, I still enjoy you know going out on the road and meeting people, and it's, it's just. I don't know. It's just in, in my blood, and I love every moment of it. Sometimes, you know, even if it's just to go set up and just meet people and, uh, you know, sell them a picture and just talk wrestling. I mean, I, I'm just uh, very thankful for the journey I've had in this. Do you ever sit back and, and wonder where that came from, like that stubbornness that you kept that, that brought you back in that building after they had? Well, you know, uh, and, and I don't want to spoil my book uh, for you, Gary, oh, but okay. I, you know, I lost my mom and dad when I was uh, – uh, young man, uh, they both got killed, and and so I bounced around and some to my brothers. You know, I got a big, big family of brothers and sisters, and they all tried to. This even before I got into wrestling, they 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 tried to straighten me up, but I just man, I was very, very uh, disrespectful, very, very mean is the best word, and I do a lot of apologizing now to my brothers, Gary. Let me tell you, but anyway, I, I never really had that father figure or anything like that, and then it's just almost like wrestling. Uh, I credit it. It just it just grabbed me, and to see these two big men, and, and and I remember the first time I ever went to see a live show, I didn't even understand what it was. I mean, I didn't know you could actually go see these these big monsters that you see on television, and you could go meet them at the matches. And, and Gary, of course, that was a time when you could walk right up to the ring, you know. And 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 I tell you, number one, Paul Jones, I just fell in love with him, and I, I tell you, I, it was amazing. All through all through school. You know, I, I would, I mean, I thought I was Paul Jones. He used to laugh at me about that. I mean, I remember Mass Superstar cut his hair one time on TV as a big angle, Gary, and, and I went, and I, I was just a little kid. I went and took scissors and cut my own hair, you know, just like butchered it. I mean, that, that's how bad I was into this stuff, you know, yeah. and that I, I thought I was Paul Jones, buddy, and then to get to meet him and and get to make towns with him and just listen. And, you know, that's what I tell these young kids in, that I train now. And it's just signs of the times. But I learned more in the backseat riding and listening than I think I've ever learned in a wrestling ring. 
Gary. It's just that's the way you made your trips. And, and you know, if you was the younger guy, you didn't open your mouth. You sit in the back seat of that car and, and you listened. And, and I just learned that's where you learned about angles and, and just all that wisdom and stuff. And, and I would, man, I wouldn't trade anything in the world for that now. And I just don't take it for granted. I mean, I, I man, when I first time I went to Georgia Championship Wrestling in Atlanta, I mean, here it is, Gordon Soley and Superstation. And when I knew that this was pretty neat, here it is when I stand in the ring and Gordon Soley's over there at the podium and he says my name. Yeah. I mean, that's like, oh my goodness. I mean, you talk about winning the lottery. It don't get no better than that, buddy. Just just some amazing, amazing people that, you know, I've met over the years and, and I wouldn't trade any of it. But but I think that the traveling part, I, it, it's, yeah, I miss the kids, of course, and, you know, my family and all that. But I tell you, just going into a different town, you know, every day and just meeting different people, because every town, you know, has a story. We did, Last week, my kids still don't believe it, Gary. We went to West Virginia, Hearts, West Virginia. And this town, I've never been. I've been everywhere. I've never been to this little town. Mm-hmm. And Gary, they had no cell phone service. And see, it's funny now to explain that, you know, to people now, but right. they still had pay phones. And it was funny, I had two of my young students with me, and we couldn't find a building. There was no GPS working, nothing. So I sent one of my students in a gas station to ask where this building was. And it was so cool, Gary, because the lady behind the counter, she took a part of the receipt and drew a map. Now, when's the last <laughs> time anybody's ever drew you a map? Right. My guy, and, and my young student didn't even know what it was. I mean, you know, they're so used to their, you know, GPSs and it takes right to the building. <laughs> He come out holding this big long receipt, and she drew a map on the back. And I thought it was, I hadn't seen one of them in you know twenty years. But uh, he said, "I don't even know what this is." I said, "Well, let me look at it. You go up here to the light, hang the left, whatever. Go, you know, go down." And and we it took us right to the building. And so then my my guy took that home and said, "I'm gonna put this in my scrapbook." He said, "I, you know, I've never." So he put it up on Facebook that that was George South's GPS. That's awesome. You know, was, was an old receipt. So, but those towns and the people that I got to meet uh, the the two days we were there is just unbelievable. They all, you know, of course, remember. It's amazing the people that remember my match with Ric Flair that we did many years ago. You know, on TBS, and people still talk about that. And it's pretty it's pretty awesome to think that. You imagine what's happened in these people's lives all these years, Gary, and they still remember, you know, my match with Ric Flair. So just to be a part of uh, those people's lives, I think is just unbelievable to me. Uh, and I've just loved every minute of it. I love how much gratitude you've got uh, just just to hear you talk. Like That's uh, really cool to me. Just I appreciate that. And, and, and you know, there, uh, this is a funny story. Uh, Chris Jericho just had his crew, uh, the, his Jericho cruise. Uh-huh. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and I, I didn't go, but a couple of my buddies went to it. So he had Ric Flair on there uh, doing a live podcast. I mean, they're on a boat uh, out there in the ocean, and when Flair walks out, Jericho said, uh, Rick, you don't know this, he said, but my claim to fame is that I'm the only man that's ever been beat by your figure four. And he said it kind of as a joke, you know, most of the time, Nobody, nobody ever submitted to Flair's figure four. They either, right. you know, either reversed it or grabbed the rope or broke it. But uh, as soon as he said that to Rick, he said, yeah, my claim to fame is I'm the only man that's ever been beat. And Flair said, oh, no, no, no. He said, you're the second guy. And Jericho said, what are you talking about? And Rick said, George South is the first one. 
<laughs> so all these years have gone, but my buddy, you know, he couldn't wait to tell me that. He's, even out here in the middle of an ocean, you know, Ric Flair is still talking about you. And uh, it was funny, uh, Gary, I had a guy that heard that Rick said that, said, now, is that a good thing that Rick said? I said, are you kidding me? For Ric Flair to still remember me after all these years? And, and yeah, it's a good thing. So those little stories like that, man, you, you can't put a price tag, uh, you know, on something like that. Well, you know what's funny? When you start looking you up, and uh, you start trying to learn a little bit more about George South. Mr. South, I'm not even going to lie. Like, I had heard of you, you know, and I had right. seen you, but, you know, like, just here and there. And I'm, you know, I was born in 81, so um, right. I've I've had enough connection to it, you know, to, to, to have seen you out there. It, it just never clicked with me too much. But when you go back and look up everybody, you're like Ric Flair's one of Ric Flair's favorite opponents. The Rock and Roll right. Express talk about you. Like, uh, you, I think even on that documentary you mentioned, they came in from uh, Bill Watts. Dusty yeah. had you go in there with them and just catch them. He sure did. And I mean, the, we'd never heard of you know nobody around here had music like that. You know nobody. Not it. I remember telling Dusty, "What the heck's a Rock and Roll Express?" You know, we, yeah. we've never seen that. Uh, then they set the whole territory on fire. You know what's amazing uh, uh, about my career, Gary, is I've never been under contract. You know, uh, people say, okay, you, you talk a lot about believing in God. And I tell you, one reason I do is there's no reason, Gary, on paper that I should still be doing what I'm doing because I've never been under contract. I've had a job for 41 years, and I've had probably the greatest, to me, career. I mean, I've met some unbelievable, uh, just these heroes uh, of mine. And those stories like that, I could put in a whole nother book, but you know, my biggest regret is I wished I would have slowed down. That's what I try to teach to my students now, you know, cause they're all in such a hurry, these young wrestling kids. And, and, and I wish I would have slowed down and, and enjoyed it more. I mean, you think of being around Andre the giant, my, that, that's one of my, probably my biggest regret, Gary, is being around Andre and I never, got a picture with him. You know, when you're when you're working, uh, of course, when I was in WWF, you see Andre every day, and you just say, well, I'll get it next time, and you keep putting it off, and and I never got a picture with him, and I wish I would have, and and, and, and I'm usually good about that. I, I, you know what's funny about our businesses? Uh, uh, even now in the dressing room, I'll see wrestlers that want to get a picture. Uh, like when I just got, I got to work with Great Muda uh, at WrestleCade this, this past November, and I, here's how funny the circle of life is, Gary. When Great Muda first came here in 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 the late '80s for Dusty, uh, I had his very first match, if you can believe it, uh, with Gary Hart. Uh, he couldn't speak no English. Nobody had ever seen a moonsault here, yeah. and I had. To, I, matter of fact, I still got an old pair of trunks that's got his green mist on it that he spit on. You know, I just thought that was like the coolest thing. And so it was funny sitting down with Great Muda now, all these years later. And, and of course, he thought I was crazy. But I was <laughs> explaining to him that I had his first match when he came to the Carolinas for Dusty. And uh, it's just amazing how, uh, and I had somebody go on uh, YouTube and put both of those matches together, which is pretty cool. But, you know, just to be in the ring with Great Muda again, and, I mean, you get there and you look across at that sold-out place, and, I mean, he's... It was funny, uh, Gary, because when 
we were getting ready to go to the ring. See, we didn't talk over anything. We didn't sit in the back. We didn't plan nothing. It was just me and Great Muda. And those those butterflies that I had and the, and, and the excitement, man, I don't never want to lose that, Gary. I don't. And, and I did that night what I've done my whole career is I was going to go out there and I was going to make Great Muda uh, look uh, the, the, you know, the greatest he's ever looked and, and, you know, people, and I've, I've done that my whole career and I took pride in that. And, uh, and we, I thought we did something very, very special. And, uh, I took the green mist again and I ain't gonna lie to you. I didn't want to wash it off. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, this is like once in a lifetime stuff and, and, you know, great Muda, uh, my friend sent me, uh, his, his account, like his Twitter account or whatever, and he had reposted. There was a great picture took of the green mist in my face. And uh, Muda loved it so much that he, he sent it, you know, he resent it all over the world. And so just those moments right there. I think I've just, seen that picture you're talking about, yeah. That was unbelievable. And, and uh, people say, well, you look like you didn't expect it. And I said, I didn't. I mean, I knew the mist was coming, but not at that moment. <laughs> And so, boom, it went up my nose and my throat and everything. So those moments, you know, man, I'll be 60 years old soon, Gary. And, and that's like when I came down to do, uh, you know, the Circle Square. I was so excited. I knew I was going to work with Colby Karina because I've loved that kid since he was a young man, since he was a baby. And so the excitement, because I have been down there in Atlanta to do anything like that since, you know, WCW days. And so... Then I got there early, and I just walked around that studio and just soaked every. For me to be there again was just, oh my gosh! Don't tell me there's no God. There's no reason why I should be down there. That's why on that little promo I done, I said this time I'm supposed to be here. You know, all them other times I was just a fill in, Gary. But man, this time I'm, and it was. I love the freedom that they gave me. Uh, nobody told me what to say. Nobody. Oh man, it was it, it was special to me. It was very special. Well, you I don't you have a personal Facebook and you don't have much online. People will post stuff some sometimes, you know, if that that you say from the Facebook and and we're going to I'm going to ask you about something from that in just a little bit, but you have blown up on on like Twitter and everywhere else too just from uh your appearance on Circle Squared. I think you brought something people didn't expect. And, uh, right. I, I think, and, uh, you just, you, you become kind of a hit. Like how, how'd you, how did you end up there? I guess I should ask you that. Well, what, what was so amazing about this, this whole story is uh, all I've ever wanted to do, Gary, my career is, is I've enjoyed like working for Smoky Mountain Wrestling with Jim Cornette. I've worked for Bill Watts. It's almost been like a personal goal for me. Uh, uh even with all the stuff I've always done, uh, is just, I love working for different, and I don't want to call them different territories or anything, but I just love being part of, of when something is fresh and starting out. And, and it was so amazing when we sat down to do those little promos uh, that they showed uh, the lady behind the camera, you know, she didn't really know who I was. And so she asked me, she said, uh, sir, what, you know, what is your ambition to be an NWA? And jokingly, Gary, I said, ma'am, I ain't never left the NWA. <laughs> and I think that's kind of like, excuse me, you know? <laughs> and so I told her, I said, man, I started working for the NWA in 1980. I never quit, you know? And so we got a good laugh, uh, you know, out of that. So uh, it was just an amazing thing because, you know, the night before, 
Gary, they had did that huge Bobby Eaton tribute show. Yeah. Excuse me, tribute show up in Tennessee. And so we went up and man, what a special weekend that was for me, uh, to, to be there, uh, for Bobby Eaton, who I've loved, you know, for so much over the years. And, and for, for that night before to be a, a complete surprise to him and he really didn't know anything about it. And he's just the most humble, nicest guy you'll ever meet in the world. And, and so to be able to do that, and then we didn't even sleep. I mean, I took uh, one of my referees with me, so we finished up at Bobby Eaton and jumped right in the car and headed to Atlanta because we had to be there, you know, early that that morning. So, and I, I was, man, I was, I was excited. I didn't, I don't think I slept for a week after all that, and then to be there back in that, back in that studio and the whole setup, just to see the rain. I mean, it. it I tell you, you almost feel like you 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 woke up one day in a. Uh, from a time warp, and, and here it is, you know, the NWA. So they, I knew I was working with Colby. My plan in the beginning, uh, Gary, was I was going to put Colby over. I mean, I really, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say I've been there and done that, and because and, I still get excited to go through that curtain. But if I, I knew how much I loved that kid, and and if I and respect his dad, so I, but I did my job. I mean, I knew my job, and I've done it for 41 years. Is I wasn't going to go out there and eat this kid up on TV. I got more. Here's what's amazing about the wrestling business, Gary. I lost that match. I mean, I lost. And I've got more people talking than if I'd have won the match. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and so, I, and that's what, and I've told Colby many times since then. He's thanked me. His dad's, you know, his dad's thanked me, and if, if it can help him in any way, man, I'm, I'm, I'll be excited about that. But man, I, I loved every moment of it, and I tell you, what, you know, I don't do so. Did you know what you were going to say or what you're going to do? I said, heck no, I don't want to know. You know, I'm not one of these even now, uh, Gary. After all these years, I, the guys laugh at me because I, I don't even, I don't want to talk over anything. Uh, to me, uh, and that's just that old school in me is, is. Man, I just want it all to be fresh. And when I go out there, man, I, I you know, old timers used to relate it to like going in a restaurant there. If you go out to eat and we walk in and they've already fixed our food, you're going to be pretty upset. In other words, you're going to say, wait a minute, I didn't tell you what I wanted to eat. And see, that's how wrestling fans are. Yeah. They don't want to tell, you know, if me and you're getting ready to go to the ring, we can't talk over what we're going to do, Gary, because the people haven't told me yet what they want to eat. Does that make sense? That makes so perfect sense. Two seconds after I step in that ring, I know what they want. And the most amazing thing about what I have been taught and, and what I'm able to do is each night's different. Uh, you know, we used to be on the road seven days a week, Jim Crockett, and we'd wrestle twice on Sundays and uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling. And we wrestled eight days, I mean, eight times a week. So a lot of the fans traveled. Gary, to each town. And so, you know, I may wrestle Sam Houston or Denny Brown, you know, three times a week, but you can't go out there and do the exact same match. Does that make sense? You have to change it up because the audience is, is the same. So that's just, uh, um, I don't know. I, I, I just love it. Uh, uh, being able to do what I was able to do at NWA. They just let me run with it. What was funny to me, too, is to hear you talk about seeing it up there because, I mean, Again, you're a guy who's had all this history, and you've probably heard every story, seen everything, and it sounds like it was still kind of special seeing that place 
that day. It wasn't, you know, I, w- I wondered for you if it was like a, just another day. Like you were just like, all right, no, I got a job. No, you, you know what? I'm, uh, that's a great question, Gary. I, and I, I tell you, that's why I can't explain it. Uh, just the studio was empty that morning. It was cold. You know, and a lot of the guys hadn't even got there yet. And I just went down and, and just, just hung out around that ring. And that setup is so not close to what WCW was because WCW, you know, they got to where they taped in different arenas and stuff like that. And it's kind of like how center stage was, but I'm talking Techwood Drive with Gordon Soley early on in my career. I mean, I, I was wrestling for Georgia Championship Wrestling, living in Charlotte before I ever started working for, you know, Jim Crockett Promotions. And so that, man, that, that, the coldness of that studio, a lot of fans don't understand that because, and it may be that way now, but, you know, in the 80s, you had to keep those studios freezing because the cameras, Gary, would overheat so fast. So you go out there with Ric Flair, we take TBS, Techwood Drive at like, you know, 9.05 in the morning. So you go out there at 9.05 in the morning against Ric Flair, the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, in a freezing cold studio. Now that's pressure enough, buddy. But then you got Ric Flair over there that's unbelievable, and you're already nervous and excited, and, and you've been up on my driving to get there, and man, what a rush. I mean, it's just like, it's such an adrenaline rush, and, and it's just an amazing thing. And that's what it reminded me of, being there with the NWA, because I, I spent time in the dressing room just looking at some of them younger guys that were there, and I, and I kept telling myself, I hope they realize how special this is. Now, I didn't have time to spend time with all of them, and I'm sure it did, but I'm thinking, I hope they just didn't think it was another another booking. You know, I hope they just didn't think it was like, okay, I'm just down here to get paid. And and, and I don't know, you know, but I know for me, it was really like going back, uh, you know, in time. I mean, the ring itself uh, looked so much like the way it was, you know, uh, for for NWA. And, and so... Uh, I, I, you know, I'm hoping to go back. I mean, that will always be, you know, I always say this is a special moment, you know, for me, but it was, I mean, it really was. And just to soak it all in, uh, you know, of course I got lost in the, you know, the hallways and it reminded me, man, when I was going to Techwood Drive, I had no idea where to go, you know? <laughs> so it's just from that moment, from getting lost in the hallways to finally seeing the ring, uh, Man, it's just amazing how all of that just just goes back around. And, uh, you know, I tell people all the time, it ain't just in the ring that you've got to be good at. You've got to be a decent human being. And people say, what are you talking about? I said, listen, we both, Gary, know there's plenty of jerks in the wrestling business. And one thing I've learned is you don't last. You really don't. And I've never wanted to be... Uh, uh, disrespectful to anyone else. I don't care if they're underneath guys or somebody on top. Uh, I just, I know what it's took for me to, to get there. So I can imagine what everybody else is going through. And, and, and I'll tell you a funny story. When I was down there with, with, with NWA for this, uh, Circle Square, I met the nicest guy that worked for the studio, Gary, that I've become friends with. And his job, he, he was the guy that made sure the headsets had batteries. As crazy as this sounds, I hit it off with this guy that nobody knows. He just works there at the studio, making sure the headsets, making sure the microphones have uh, batteries in. Just the, the, the probably the lowest job on the totem pole, but the biggest wrestling fan you'd ever meet. 
and I just took time to talk to him. And people will say, George, you running for president or what? But just what a big fan this guy was. And for him to, uh, he kept telling me, man, I can't believe I'm standing here in the hallway talking to George South. And, and I'm, you know, I want to look behind me like, man, I'm just, who are you talking about? I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just me. But, but it was just that moment to spend time with him and let him tell me some wrestling stories of watching it with his grandpa, you know, and his dad. And man, what an amazing story that guy had, you know, and he, he works for the studio. So. Uh, I soaked every I, I soaked every moment of that when I was there. In it's uh, so funny. Yeah, I wasn't gonna miss nothing. Yeah, to hear you tell a story like that, like I I, I was there at the tapings out in the crowd, and um, but at all the ones I've been to, I've been hanging out like when we get to dilly dally around before the show starts or something and uh i was talking to one of the camera guys and just uh i i I learned this from i think just hearing wrestlers talk about just like everything that goes into it good guys like you that tell these kind of stories that you know i was i was talking to the camera guy and the camera guy uh i was just telling him hey we appreciate you know how good it looks on on the show and and all this stuff he's like well that's He's like, that's really cool of you, and I, and I was like, how? I think he had worked at WCW or something, and uh, right, and he was telling me how he was like, this is a totally different experience than than that was though, because he was wow. like, he's like, I've had people come up to me that they're working on the show and say that they appreciate me, and I'm like, that didn't cost you. He was saying that. He told him, he was like, that didn't cost wow. you anything to come say that to me. And I appreciate that. He's like, at WCW, they just never even talked to us, you know? Wow. And, uh, I just thought that was interesting. And, and to hear you talk about that same thing, I just... I, right, I think that's really exactly. Because cool. we're all fans. I mean, I, uh, I, I'll i tell you a funny story, Gary. The other night in the dressing room, this little local show uh, that I went to, there was this young kid in there. And, and, and a blind man could tell this young kid loved Jeff Hardy. I mean, he had the long hair, he had the look... And I love the Hardy Boys, but this kid here, he had duct tape uh, uh, up and down his arm. Mm-hmm. And, and and I don't know his story yet, but I'm thinking, man, that had to hurt, you know, to put. Because you could tell he left Jeff Hardy. So I go up to him after his match. I said, kid, I said, uh, you know, it's ain't none of my business. I said, but why don't you just cut, why don't you just cut a sock up and put it on your arm? And he looked at me, Gary, and he said, no, no, no. If I do that, he said, everybody will think I'm a big mark. <laughs> Gary, I, I wanted to punch him, but I started laughing. I said, kid, we're all marks. I said, you kidding me? And so he kind of walked off in, but I'm thinking, here it is. This kid, he's got 10 pounds of duct tape, you know, up and down his arms. Uh, Lord forbid when he goes to take that stuff off, how that's going to hurt. But uh, he, he's worried about being a mark. And, and I, I just said, kid, we're all marks. I still, uh, I tell you, uh, up till the time, like Paul Jones, you know, my, my favorite wrestler of all time, even when he would do a fan fest and these, these signings and me and him would go out to eat lunch. And I'm talking like maybe a, a couple of years before he passed away. And of course he was older then, but we'd be sitting in a restaurant and he knew how much I believed in him as a wrestling fan. And he would, we'd be sitting there eating there and he'd say, Jordan, I, I want to tell you something. He said, now you do know that me and like Ole Anderson are best friends, right? And I'd say, Paul, please, I don't want to hear that. I mean, here it is, you know, I, I know it sounds crazy, Gary, but I didn't want to hear that. You know, because to me, Paul Jones and Ole Anderson hated each other. And he would just do this to get me upset. And he said, oh, yeah, me and Black Jack Mulligan, we'd we, we beat each other to death, and then we'd go have a beer together. Yeah. And I I mean, we'd be arguing like two kids in a sandbox. You know, I'd be saying, Paul, be quiet. 
You know, I don't want to hear that y'all were best friends. I want to hear that you hated Blackjack Mulligan. And, and so that's, and I always want to book, you know, that's, that's how I am now. I still just want to sit there as a, as a fan. I still go out and watch the matches. Uh, the other night, uh, what's been maybe a year ago, uh, Jerry Lynn was doing a special referee, uh, from ECW. He was doing a, uh, a special referee. He doesn't wrestle anymore. So he, that night he was a special referee. Well, before his match, I was in the ring with like mass superstar Billy and, uh, it was almost like a legends match. Jimmy Valiant, Boogie Woogie Man. And, and so out of a dressing room full of guys, Gary, Jerry Lynn was the only one that took his chair out by the dressing room door to watch. And nobody told him to. Nobody, you know, said it was mandatory or anything like that. But I noticed it. So you got all these young guys in the ring. You got, you know, a thousand years of experience out there in the ring. And nobody was watching. And I noticed Jerry Lynn did. And I came back and I, I told him that. I said, man, I, just, uh, I thank you so much for watching. And, man, just such a great guy. He said, listen, I, you think I'm going to miss an opportunity like that to, to still learn when you've got that much, you know, experience in the ring? And so something like that, I don't know if you can, you know, if, if, if you could even teach that nowadays. But that's how I am now. Uh, you get me in a ring with Jerry Lawler or uh, somebody that I've looked up to and, and man, I'm still learning, and, and and all these years in the business, and that's you know it's amazing. I use the claw hold uh, at my match with Colby down there for uh, Circle Square, and it's like the most talked about move. I mean, you got guys diving off of buildings on each other, Gary, right. and you know setting people on fire and running over each other with cars, and and here it is. Uh, I, I laugh because a couple fans didn't even know what to call it. You know, they didn't even know it was like, you know, the claw. So I think that's amazing that, that, that people still grab a hold of that. And, and I'm not saying it was simple because it's still, it, it, it is still an art form to me and what we do out there. And my job has, you know, since day one, my job is just to help these fans forget for just a few moments, you know, life. You know, the the real world, their jobs, their wives, their husbands been yelling at them, but they come to wrestling and in my job, it's not to confuse them. It's not, it's just for a few moments to just, you know, man, just let them forget what's, what's going on in, in the real world. And then when I do that, that I feel like I've done my job, buddy. Oh yeah. And I, I popped for the claw too, man. <laughs> on our little after show we did for the WA on, on this podcast, I was like, Oh my gosh, the claw is back. I haven't <laughs> seen that in forever. And that is awesome. Like I, I love well, it. funny. I heard one of the fans say, Oh, that's a tribute to Bear Von Rasky. And I wanted to stop in the middle of the match and say, no, not really. It's a tribute to black Jack Mulligan. Okay. There you, go. you know, you got to get your, you got to get your territories right. But I, I didn't think that would go along with the match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, George, I, I I know you're on a time crunch, and you you got you got grandbabies to get to, so uh, I don't want to hold you up too much longer. But no, I, you take your you take your time. I've got them. Uh, we, we, it's amazing. You think wrestling the Road Warriors were were rough? You wait, you hang out with these five grandbabies, but they they know I've got everything. You know, you you take your time. We we got plenty of time, Gary. I've got them on uh, on standby, and so they're they're. They're fine, my friend. So okay. we're, we're doing good. Okay, all right. Just as long as you're you're okay. You, no, I'm uh, good. Yes, sir. We 
We do it. Okay. Well, uh, I did want to ask you this, and I, I I follow. Well, I mean, you got a you got a bunch of people you've trained, but one of, one of your students, uh, I follow them on Twitter. They, I don't know if I should sell them out here, but they posted the other day saying that my trainer is the best, and they posted a, a clipping of uh, I think specifically what they said is George South on Facebook. Don't friend request him, but he isn't on Twitter, so I'm doing this for him. And, uh, he, oh wow! They posted up. They said uh, it was it was from you on Facebook, and it says I'm going to read this. It says, "You know what I really hate about my great match on NWA Circle Squared? The stupid marks that get to comment during my match from their mom's basement, wearing their Star Wars pajamas, but never took <laughs> one bump, missed birthdays or proms because of the road, or carried a ring post." Now I got to have you comment on that because. <laughs> Because that's one of the things on the circle squared, and I always wondered about this. Because you've got, they let people send in video yeah. clips and and talk about what they think. So yeah, uh, you've let us know a little bit on that post that somebody shared on Twitter. Uh, what, yeah, I, I hate it. But let me tell you, I didn't know when I saw it. Like let's just say you turned it, you watched my match, and you saw it for the first time. I didn't know because I've never seen no other circle square matches. So when I'm sitting here watching, getting ready to watch me and Colby's match, seeing that was the first time I'd ever heard of that or seen that. Okay. And I'm talking never have I ever seen that. And to me, it starts with the thing. I hate it. I mean, I love everybody, but I hate that part because why would the fans want to do that? And it goes back to what me and you talked about earlier when we started this is, man, I wouldn't want to do that because first of all, to me, you know what's so amazing about our business? And it's done happen to the circus. Everybody for years wanted to get behind the tent. They wanted to get behind the curtain and see how they stick their head in the lion's mouth and how the guy eats swords and fire. And, and so they all found out all of it, and then there ain't no circus no more. So where, to me, it, 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 I, I just hate it. I do. I, I just, I mean, I could talk about that all day long because I, I the fans... They're too busy critiquing us that I don't think they're enjoying it. I really don't. Uh, and, I, you know, I, of course, I got my opinion. They got theirs. But, but I, oh, God, that was very – that was like Mr. Wrestler number two taking his mask off in front of me. I don't want to see it, uh, Gary. I, 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 oh, gosh, no. The, the, don't let him do that. <laughs> don't let him do that. My goodness, that, that was honestly, uh, and I mentioned it earlier, is I, the part of, K, not everybody says kayfabe's dead and all this kind of stuff, and, and I and I know times change. I ain't some old bitter old-timer, you know, that's saying it used the way it used to be. Um, but what I'm saying is, as a fan, maybe I'm the only one that feels that way, but I don't want to know any of that stuff. I don't want, I want my opinion to be with my buddies that are sitting on the couch with me. Uh, not the whole world, not, uh, you know, because they're all wrong anyway. Now, if you want to help me, go on the road with me for six months, help me set that ring up, get some splinters in your hand, you know, show up late at night when everybody else is in bed, you know, your neighbors are mad at you because you're trying to back your ring truck in and the dogs are barking. You know, you experience that with me, and then and then you can comment on my match. <laughs> So, no, I just get fired up because I think the fans should 
why do they want to do that? I, I don't know. That, that is the old school in me, I guess, uh, uh, Gary. But I, man, just sit there and, and you know, order another pizza and, and, and just enjoy it. Because I, I don't know. That's just that's just very hard to digest. Well, well there's, a, there's a line, even even for me, like with, with something like that, it, it's what's weird to me is, you know, if I'm and, and this is a little different because yeah, y'all do so much more, in my opinion. But if I'm watching a movie and I'm watching, I don't know, like some Tom Cruise movie, you know, I don't want somebody right. in the middle of it popping up telling me, well, that's right. Well, you know, Tom Cruise did actually Tom Cruise in real life. He does this thing. Blah, blah, blah. Like, well, that don't that's have anything exactly to do right. with this. right that's a very good no that's a very good illustration and it's just amazing i know you know you you want fans to 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 get their money's worth. you want fans to be part of it but i I don't know i I, i'm like you i i you know if somebody's phone goes off in a movie theater or if a baby's crying i'm ready to i'm ready to say something you know so i cannot imagine if if they i don't know to me it just takes them out of that being a fan to where because uh, most of them wrong about the comments anyway. You just like the world about my ring jacket and everything else. And and, I, and there wasn't all. I mean, there's some good comments. I just think they need to be quiet. Yeah. I just think there's too much thought put into, uh, like I said, let me and you sitting here in front of the TV, let us discuss it or, or get on the phone to our friends. I don't know. I just missed that part of, you know, and, 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 and then I know you'll remember this, Gary. I, you know, before the internet, all that kind of stuff, a wrestling magazine, which you can't anymore, it was the only way that we knew about Hulk Hogan or Jerry Lawler or anybody that worked AWA or somewhere like that. And I don't know. I just got, I remember going in there as a kid, saving my grass cut money just to buy that wrestling magazine. So I wish fans could experience, you know, that part of it. Uh, You know, I tell probably my second, biggest pet peeve is when wrestlers get on the internet, especially Facebook, and they have tried to call a promoter and uh, ask for work or, or can you use me? And the promoter will not answer them back, which I think is comical anyway. But to see a wrestler get on there and say, I just don't understand a wrestling promoter. How disrespectful for them not to answer my calls. And Gary, I laugh at that because, buddy, nobody in pro wrestling owes you anything. They really don't. Now, that may be rude on that promoter, but he doesn't owe you a call back. He doesn't. Listen, in my day, and here I, here's, a, here's the old bitter old timer, you know, we used to mail pictures out. That's all you could do. There was no internet. There was no phones. You just found an address, and you mailed 8x10s out and hoping that you may get a call back, a, a, a letter back. Nobody. I sent out thousands. Nobody ever wrote me back. Nobody ever said, yes, we can use you next week. I'm not saying that didn't work, but, man, and that's what I teach at my school is, yeah, maybe somebody should pick the phone up and just say, you ain't got no room for you. You're in the perfect world. But this is pro wrestling. And and nobody owes you nothing. And when you realize that, that you're really going to have to work hard for everything that you get in pro wrestling, when it does come, you enjoy it, and you appreciate every moment. You know, Gary, uh, last year, a couple of my students got to be uh, extra uh, extras for WWE. So WWE 
mailed him a check, which was pretty cool, and it said on the envelope, you know, WWE and all this kind of stuff. So my young students, they posted their envelope on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I didn't tell them to do it, nothing. They did it on their own, which I thought was cool to say. You wouldn't believe the negative feedback that my two students got. They thought they did something wrong. And you had these old-timers and these veterans saying, well, you just don't do that because you look like a mark. You know what I did, Gary? It took me a week. But I went out my old warehouse. My, my little, I got a little wrestling museum. And I went out there, and it took me a week to find them. But I dug <laughs> You'll think I'm nuts. I dug up every old check from the NWA, from Smoky Mountain, from Jim Crockett. Uh, I mean, I'm talking official NWA envelopes with the logo from Bob Geigel, and I posted them on Facebook. <laughs> just, you know, just to show that, man, it took me my whole life to get these paychecks. You think I'm not proud of that? Yeah. So, anyway, I shut that down real quick. So I told my students, if you, because you, you're looking at young kids like I was at one time that, you know, man, they work regular jobs. They, they, they you know, they, some of them's got families. And to have something special happen to them like that, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So if they want to brag about that empty check a little bit uh, on Facebook, man, I I had their back in that. And then nobody could really say nothing when this old 60-year-old, you know, rookie went and dug up all of his checks and, and put, posted them on there. And I just just to let the world see that, that man, it's, it's pretty special. To, to be a professional wrestler. And I know that, you know, that, that that's been misused a lot, but I've never took it for granted. I mean, uh, you, know, you may have heard on, on before that the very first time I ever went to Georgia Championship Wrestling, there was a guy named Ron Starr, who he made a lot of money in Puerto Rico, but uh, never really for Vance or anybody like that. But my first TV ever, ever, because I walked in and I saw Jerry Lawler and I saw Ole Anderson, and I scared death. Because before that, all I'd seen him was in magazine. And I went out and, and, and I wrestled Jerry Lawler, my first TV match ever. And I didn't know nothing. I had just turned 18 years old. Well, Gary, he did his fist drop off the top rope. I'd never seen that. And I kicked out of it. I mean, <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I came back through that curtain. And I'll never forget, Ole grabbed me. I, I I can remember it like yesterday, and he cussed me for an hour. He said Jerry Lawler has beat Ric Flair. He's beat Andre the Giant. He's been he's beat Hulk Hogan. He's beat everybody with a fist drop, and you kicked out of it. And so, because I didn't know what I was doing, heck, I still don't. But man, I knew then I'll never kick out of that fist drop again. But I said, man, that what a special moment. But I met Ron Starr that day. He saw that I was feeling pretty pretty bad uh and i didn't know who ron star was then but uh and i'll and i'll and i'll tie this in is he come up to me and he first he told Oli to calm down he said oh this is a young kid he's just starting you know Oli, don't forget you know where you started and of course Oli cussed and walked off but i never forgot that ron star took up for me and and i got we became good friends and here's what's so amazing is he told me something that day he said, "All we want," he said, "All we try to do, kid, is leave wrestling better than we found it." Now he told me that in 1980, and that has stuck with me 
those simple words, Gary, have stuck with me all these years. Just leave it better than you found it. And you know what's special? Ross Starr passed away a couple years ago, but right before he did, he wrote his autobiography. And the guy writing it got a hold of me and said, we knew that you had met Ron Starr and wrestled with him. Do you have any, you know, anything you'd like to add or comment or anything, a uh, foreword for his book? And so I shared that little story uh, with how Ron Starr stood up for me in 1980 and, and told me those words that I've hung on to. So they was able to, you know, use that in his book. So I never forgot that. So, so whether it's, to go out there and put these guys over, I mean, it's amazing people. They still they still want to know why I never won a match, Gary. <laughs> Forty-year job, okay, and they still want to know why I never won a match, you know. And, it's a, and I tell them, listen, I, I tried. <laughs> I gave it the old try. But I, that's all I want to do, Gary, buddy, is I want to leave you know, pro wrestling better than I found it. And I know I get on the old jackrabbit trail and jump around, but but I, I just don't think, I think fans need to know when to be a fan. And uh, because before long, uh, I, I'm going to tell you, they, they uh, you know, some of them think they know everything anyway. And and, and it's like, I'm telling you, me and you go to, to if we go to the, the local fair, or the carnival, I just want to eat a corn dog and have fun. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to tell you how, that guy's eating fire. <laughs> eating fire, you know. Yeah. Even if I know, if, you t- if we go see a magician, I do it to this day. Because you know what was it? a couple years ago? This show come on this TV special, uh, the secrets of pro wrestling, and, right. and everybody's talking about. Oh my gosh! And I thought that was the dumbest program I'd ever seen because even stuff that they said we did, we don't do. <laughs> you know, I thought, where did get this stuff from? I've never seen that in my life. So, so I don't want to know how David Copperfield pulls it, where that rabbit comes from. If you try to tell me where that rabbit comes from, I'm not going to listen. And that's, you know, it's just, man, I just want to leave there thinking, man, that's like the greatest thing I've ever seen. He pulled flowers out of his sleeve. Where did flowers come from? And, 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 and so it's okay. I tell fans this all the time when I do seminars and stuff with even the wrestling here. It's okay to still, you know, just believe. I mean, it really is. I think when Dorothy and them wanted to find out behind that curtain, they found out when they found out it ain't it ain't as fun as when you didn't know who Oz was, uh, Gary. To be honest with you, and and I'll, I'll take that with me till I. Cause so you can imagine. I wish you were sitting with me when I first watched my match with Colby, and all of a sudden, wait a minute, here's some fan, you know, sitting on his couch, uh, <laughs> asking why have I got Batman on my jacket. <laughs> I thought it was a commercial. I really did. I, I thought, well, wait a minute now. This this is odd. So it, it, I, I don't know if I could ever get used to that, buddy. Yeah, well, that makes perfect sense. And, and you know, the thing is, too, is like a lot of those people, I don't know if they'll be able to appreciate what it was like in the uh, studio that day. Because I know. Yeah. And, and, and I know that that at the same time, too, they're trying to do it because they're getting a chance to put their video up. But like the on even online, I mean, you came in and you proved something that day. I mean, there's been NWA keeps posting these polls about, uh, you know, should this person continue on in the NWA? Yes or no. And people get to vote on it. George South. There's no question. People want more George right. South in the NWA because they loved yeah, what you did. That. And there was there was something special about seeing you you walk out there and you brought something they uh, either I don't know either they 
forgot existed or just never knew and there it is and they I appreciate it was that. something real and so it was well, you know Gary Terry Taylor who is a good friend of mine him this is kind of special him and uh Steve Carino and Steve works for you know WWE too and is one of their trainers and so they actually got to watch our match from the WWE Performance Center just two friends you know watching you know there's the Steve son and Terry Taylor made me feel, I mean, he blessed my heart. He just said that, because uh, I knew what I wanted to do is I wanted to be, I love that whole concept of the NWA program, but I wanted when someone, when I come out there, my number one job is, and I didn't even care if I got paid for it, is I wanted my, my time out there to be different. And, and Terry Taylor said that he felt like that, you know, and I didn't have to tell him that that's what I was trying to do. I just wanted it to be, I wanted to take people back. To when, you know, you you got the great announcer in the booth, and then here comes this guy that's just, man, you know, and, and it's funny hearing people, uh, some of the fans saying, well, he never shut up. And I'm thinking, yeah, exactly, you know. <laughs> all the announcer, one guy said, all the announcer done was introducing, and then he talked for 10 minutes. And I'm thinking, you dang right, buddy. You know, I've been waiting. I've been waiting 40 years to get behind that podium. You dang right, I got some stuff to say. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, 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 and you know, here's what's funny yeah, is I didn't leave. I mean, you know, uh, they were good about when you finish up, they know the boys, a lot of guys got a long trip and, you know, you're welcome to leave or whatever. But I, I did not leave that place. This sounds crazy. I didn't, I didn't leave till, till they basically, you know, and I knew I'll be back down there, but I didn't leave till they ran me off. I mean, I wanted to soak in that, that moment. Uh, and, 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 you know, my greatest compliment to, you know, the owners and just everybody that worked hard that day when I was there is if I went down there, it reminded me, I told my referee coming home, it's like when Ric Flair, when they didn't know what to do with Ric Flair and WCW and I made him cut his hair and, and, and they were going to change his name. This is when WCW was goofy, real goofy. It, it, it didn't fit. And that's why I was basically afraid of, man, if I go down here and do this NWA thing, I knew what my memories were and what I cherished of that NWA time before. And my greatest blessing is that they they got it as close, I think, as you could get it. Uh, and I, I told everybody down there that. Uh, it, was not, it was not a bucket of cold water in my face changed to where, what in the world? It, you know, I didn't just want the letters to be. The same thing, if that makes sense, Gary. Yeah. I wanted it to feel like, and the ring brought back those memories. And, and I tell you, the coldness of that studio was so, it's it's hard to get going sometimes in that ring. You know, fans think, you know, we it's hot and you sweat. But it, it but just that coldness brought back so many memories of, of showing up at Techwood Drive at, that, that early in the morning and just trying to get going, you know, and, and, that's why I mentioned, you know, Gordon Soley and Bob Cottle and Lance Russell when I went out there, because it brought back so many memories of of those times. Uh, you know, when I first started, and just of course being a kid and just hearing those guys behind that podium. So, and when I, it was a shoot for me. I mean, when you know, a lot of people think that when Colby started crying, they said, "Man, he's a great worker that he can." But that was emotion. That was real for Colby yeah. uh, to know what he's been through. And to come out there like that, hey, that's why I was yelling so loud. I've not started crying. I mean, you're standing behind the NWA podium with those letters behind you. 
if you didn't cry, there's something wrong with you, buddy. Yeah. And and so I know what Colby felt, and because I felt it. And 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 man, the, just the nervousness of walking from that podium to that ring was very very special to me. Because before the hat, Gary, I know I had already always been in the ring. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Waiting on you know Flair to come out or Harley Race or somebody to come out. So that was that was pretty special. Well, uh, Mr. South, you have been more than generous with your time. Now, I do you have a minute for a few fan questions yes. here? Okay. Oh, I sure do. Thank you. Okay. I just want to I want to be respectful for what you're doing there. No, I, I appreciate wanna... that so much. Thank you for that. No, I. I'll uh, I'll let them you know get extra uh, chicken nuggets at McDonald's. That's their favorite hangout. So I'll let them <laughs> I'll let them uh, uh, eat till they're full. They'll be excited. They'll be okay. All yeah, right. I got plenty of time. Thank you. Okay, I appreciate that, sir. Uh, we had some fans. I asked, and uh, I don't do this always, but you've been so popular online, like I said, and and uh, people have uh, grown up seeing you too, and you've been in their lives uh, off and on on TV, and so I wanted to make sure if anybody had stuff they wanted to ask, they could, and I picked some out here I, I thought were uh, decent questions. So um, you kind of talked about this one, but I, I'm just kind of curious about a little bit more detail with uh, Derek Keenan. He wrote in and said, after 40 years since your NWA debut, he says, what is going through your head when you walk through that curtain? So, I mean, you, you've been kind of talking about this, obviously, but I'm just curious, like, what, what is your South thinking, like, right when he's in, right behind the curtain coming out? Well, and I love that. I love that question. Gary, of course, you know, I always say a little prayer, which I've done that my whole career, but I wish I could bottle uh, the, the the nervousness and the excitement. I mean, I'm I'm literally getting ready to walk through that curtain down there uh, uh, for for Circle Square, and I would if I could bottle it, I would sell it to these young wrestlers, uh, and and just for them to experience what that felt like. I was nervous. I'm not gonna lie to you. I had no idea what I was gonna say. I, I, I even in my match, I had no idea. And here's what you'll get a kick out of, Gary is. At that moment, they're they're still. I laugh about it now. They're still trying to explain to me the the concept of of Circle Square. Okay, whereas uh, okay, yeah, it's important what happens in that rain, but the fans still get to vote later, and so I still didn't have a clue about that. I mean, right. I thought, man, I'm gonna go out here, I'm gonna win this match, I'm gonna lose this match, and at the end of it, but. The fa- you know, so so I hope the fans realize how special that is for them to have an input in in a lot of that. But but if I could to answer that question here, if I could bottle up how I felt, I mean, I the adrenaline. I felt like I was eighteen years old. I'm not lying. I felt like the very first time I ever wrestled Ric Flair, and I and I'm so thankful for that. It was not a cocky feeling. It was not, man. I'm going to prove to the world. Because after 41 years, I, you know, people don't, you know, people don't love or hate me now. I, I, I missed it, you know. So, so it wasn't like I wanted to go out there and I'm going to, you know, dive over the top rope and do something that's just going to grab everybody's attention. I'm just going to go out there and do. If I was on the other end of that curtain up in them stands, what would I want to see walk through that curtain? And that's the last thought that came to my mind before I came through that curtain is, okay, I'm going to give them what I would want to see. 
and and and, it, and and all it took is for me to step through and then them booze and and they started you know they started getting on me right then and then I knew this is going to be this is going to be pretty special. Now they may never invite me back. <laughs> they may never have me back here, but this one time and and just for that announcement, he didn't know we didn't know what each other was going to say, and he said, "Man, wow, it's George South." And then, man, what a great opening line. We didn't plan it that way, right? But for me to say, "You dang right, it's George South." <laughs> and so, man, that just, here we go with it. And so I, I, and then, man, the match was just, it was so special. You know what was amazing? And, and I'll let the fans in a little bit on this real quick, uh, just so we can get to another question is, I wouldn't even talk to Colby before that match. A lot of fans don't know that. They think we sit back there all day. Just because we was at that studio all day, don't mean me and him sit back there and talk over anything. And I know he was nervous. That's why I'm so proud of him. Because it reminded me in 1980, me, and, and I remember sitting there, and Jerry Lawler never come over to me. I didn't even see him get dressed. He didn't even dress where I dressed uh, that first TV match at Techwood Drive. So I, 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 and I, I'm so proud of Colby, just the pressure that he had on him to come out there. And, and I hadn't even talked nothing over with him. I didn't tell him nothing until we got out there. And so... That helped to me personally, Gary, that elevated him a little bit. I know he was nervous, but there was so much trust in that match, which is gone forever in pro wrestling. It really is. But there was so much trust in that match that the fans could never, probably would never understand, but, but there was a lot of trust in that match. And it, and it, it and it ended, and it, you know, it just proved what I've always said. It just worked out perfectly. Uh, it really did. So, so uh, I man, if I could bottle it, I, I'd be selling it on a street corner somewhere. Just that, the nervousness and butterflies and just, man, I wanted to slow down, you know, and just yeah. enjoy every moment of it. Uh, man, it was very special. No, that's a great answer. And uh, that's a really cool uh, tidbit you're giving us there about behind the scenes, too. That's uh, Thank you for that. It's kind of related here. I got a question from uh, James Lawrence who wants to know, how do you feel about the fans seeming to embrace you right now, even though you're a heel. Like you're, you well, obviously you, came out there yelling and fussing, but, uh, you know, like you've right. become pretty popular now. Right. And, and, you know, I, I was able to use that in my interview that it, you know, and, and it kind of helped me in my interview is, is because I was just basically telling the fans, where you been for the last 40 years, you know? So, and I, and I, I didn't, you know, I used that as my heel. He is, is I was just letting the fans know, I don't, you know, you didn't support me when I was losing to the Mulkey brothers, <laughs> you know, on TV. So so it almost turned it back around to where they're thinking, wait a minute now, I like you and you're still mad at me, you know? And yeah. so, see, my, my job, my only job, and I tell these young wrestlers that, my only job, again, is when I come through that curtain, is I had that audience that night, man, they were either in love with me or they wanted to kill me. And there wasn't no in-between. And, and see what I've learned? People always say, are you a baby face or a heel? Uh, I've just been me. I mean, really, people think, I hate that when I hear a wrestler say, well, I worked baby face last week and heel this week. No, you didn't. You're the same you. And, and honestly, the fans, see, the last right the fans have, Gary, is they can cheer me or they can boo me. It is not my right to take that from them. So in other words, I turn and do what I do. 
If I was fighting Bruiser Brody, I would have done that same interview. If I was fighting Ricky Morton, uh, I would have done that same interview. So, so that's the part that I've never worried about that. I mean, I just let the fans, uh, if you, you know, and, and it works great. But you know what's so funny? And it's helped me, and I know I'm getting off the track here, but Gary, it's helped me tremendously in, in my ministry over the years because I do a lot of prison ministries, and I love going just hanging out with kids. And, and what's so amazing is when a good guy tells a kid, I'm going to come to your church and I'm going to speak to your youth, they say, yeah, right, that's what good guys are supposed to do. But when he, this bad guy, okay, this hill that they've just spit on and throw coffee on, says, Monday, I'm going to come down there and I'm going to speak to y'all's youth and just encourage them. A light bulb goes off, wait a minute, but I thought you were a bad guy. So so it, what I'm saying is it has helped me tremendously and opened up so many doors for me just to love on people, which sounds crazy coming from a bad guy. Right. Uh, but because they expect good guys. You know, I'm the long run. A good guy's supposed to give me the silver bullet and, and, and hug me, you know, because that's what good guys do. But here's a guy that I just throw something at. But now he come and 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 uh, he wants to encourage my friends or something. So so it's opened up. Oh my goodness! It op- it's opened up so many wonderful doors for me. Uh, just that pro wrestler thing. That well maybe there's some some realness to him wanting to come and spend some time with these young kids because he's a bad guy and bad guys usually don't do that. <laughs> so. Uh, but I, I, yeah, man, I could talk all day. But I, I think just you know to sum, to sum all that up, I've always been myself, and I've always let the people be their self. I've always let the fans be their self. I let people say all the time, say, "How in the world can you go out there one minute and be yelling at me, and then you sign an autograph for my little boy the next?" It's almost like they can't distinguish between the two. Uh, and Greg, I tell you this one story. You're gonna love this. Okay. Uh, last month, uh, we did a huge show. Uh, me and Ricky Morton, I was in a ring with Rock and Roll Express. I ain't going to say the name. We're gonna, we'll have to sell that on the pay-per-view. But okay. the special referee was a WWE legend, Hall of Fame. He was a special referee. So we go out, rock and roll. I got heat, just like what you saw on NWA. Just what you saw. I come out yelling, screaming. And so I had called this, this lady was shooting me the middle finger. If she could have got her hands on me, yeah, she would have killed me. I don't know her. I just met her. I mean, she's just, she was in love, so in love with Rick and Robert that she thought I was going to hurt them, that she wanted to get her hands on me. She was not going to let me hurt her heroes. So I had called her like, I said, I think I said, sit down, you old hag, or something like that. And, and she, she loved it. She shot me the middle finger, and it's just, we have so much heat. And me and Ricky and Robert hadn't even touched each other. Just old school heat. Well, this Hall of Fame WWE legend comes over and whispers in my ear, and he says, George, you can't do that. And I said, excuse me? This is in the middle of the match, Gary. <laughs> he says, we don't, we don't talk to the fans like that no more. I said, you're kidding, right? And then Ricky Morton comes over. If you can imagine this, Ricky Morton comes over and says, George, did he just tell you what I thought he told you? And I said, yes. Now, all this is going on here why this lady's ready to kill me because <laughs> she thinks I'm going to hurt her heroes. So, anyway, we finish the match. We get to the dressing room. The WWE Hall of Fame 
special referee comes over to me and he says, George, you really need to go apologize to her. And I said, brother, you, you got to be kidding me, right? I said, the match is over. See, Gary, Rich and Robert beat me. So when they beat me in the ring, they get revenge for their fans. Right. You understand? That's how this business works. Exactly. Ah, like. But anyway, I said, you're kidding, right? He said, no, we probably need to do something where I take you out there like in a headlock and, and hold you and, and you just apologize. And out of respect, Gary, I said, listen, I think that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But if, if that's what you want, I have no problem doing that. So this is how stupid this was, Gary. The match is over. So this WWE Hall of Famer, he grabs me in like a headlock, like we're working, you know. So he takes me out there to this lady and her husband, and she's still cussing me, Gary. I mean, she's still shooting me the middle finger. So he gets the microphone, and he says, tell her you're sorry. And so I had fun with it, Gary. I said, I'm not going to tell this old hag I'm sorry. And oh, my gosh. And so the, the Hall of Famer... The WWE Hall of Famer is getting real hot at me right now. Well, I ain't doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But the lady's loving it. So anyway, end of story, Gary. I told her I was sorry. It killed everything in that arena. It was the dumbest thing I'd ever seen. So listen to this, and I'll be quiet. So the show's over. We're taking the ring down. I'm packing my gimmick table up. And guess who comes over to my table? Is that lady and her husband. Now, Gary, I didn't know if she was going to shoot me. I didn't know if I was ready to fight or what. You know what she did? She come over and she said, I want you to know I had the time of my life. She said, but I got to ask you, why did you apologize to me? That's what this lady said. I said, man, I said, you wouldn't understand if I tried to tell you. She said, well, you killed it. Now, this this lady is telling me that I killed it. She said, we had this place going crazy. And she said, I knew you were just having a good time. And so was I. She said, but you killed it. And she walked off. So, Gary, that is when I realized that even people in wrestling sometimes don't have a clue, buddy. So that just reminded me that fans just want to have a good time. My job is for them uh, to, to, to hate me. And, 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 and I don't have to apologize. Ricky and Robert apologize for me when they beat me. And that's the concept of pro wrestling. It really is. So, anyway, I'm sorry. Next question. Oh, man, no, no. You don't have to apologize to me for anything. We got a, a friend of the show. Uh, Dawn is her name. And uh, she says, well, she says at the end of the question, she says, please make sure that you tell George that when he walked into that studio, I absolutely lost my mind. But she says, oh, wow. she says, I need to know who was George South's favorite teacher and who were his favorite students, male and female. Now, that last one seems like it's going to be hard for you to say something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love all. Yeah. I tell you. I, I, but I tell you, uh, it goes without saying. Now, of course, I was trying to learn from, from you know, Wahoo and. McDaniels and guys like that. I mean, uh, Magnum TA to this day is still one of my uh, most special people. Tully Blanchard. I still, even when I'm around these guys, uh, I did a uh, convention the other week with Ricky Steamboat. And it was a wrestling show that day and then a convention that night. And we're in the dressing room, Gary, and the dressing room was full of guys. A lot of them I never met before. But they're all on one side of the room and Ricky Steamboat's on the other side. And, and of course, I'm over there, you know, driving Ricky Steamboat crazy with all my questions. But 
it hit me. I'm thinking, what is wrong with this pitcher here? Now, Steamboat's one of the nicest guys in the world and will give you all the time in the world. But you've got all these young guys on this one side. I don't know if they were afraid to come over and talk to him and ask, but that was just mind-boggling to me that you got all this knowledge and wisdom with Steamboat and that, that would love to share it. But I don't know. Maybe that other side of the dressing room felt like they didn't need it. But but I, I sure did. So I've learned, you know, I still learn so much from, from Ricky Steamboat, and, and it's amazing that I'll still watch some of their matches. And, and uh, you know, Arn, uh, man, what a – just unbelievable. So I'm still – I still want to learn, even at this age. But and now if I had, of course, Tessa Blanchard, you know, I trained her, Tully's daughter. Uh, uh, I'm awful very proud of her uh, just for the fact that you know, I, you know, uh, Gary, I trained uh, Ricky Steamboat's son. I trained Rick Flair's son, uh, Bobby Eaton's son. And wrestling fans, it's crazy. They think just because your dad was good that you're automatically going to be good. And that ain't always the case. Uh, to me, being around them and teaching them and training them, it's harder on those second-generation kids because they do expect you to be as good uh, as your dad. And so for Tessa to come to me, never being in a ring. So a lot of people think she got trained by Tully and, and, and you know, uh, Magnum. But T- Tessa had never been in a ring. So when she came to me, she had never hit the rope. She had never took a bump. So to see how hard she has worked, I still get fired up when I see an interview where somebody says, well, Tessa's uh, getting all of the, uh, you know, the awards and stuff like that because of what her name is. And that's always made me mad, Gary, because that ring don't care what your name is. Yeah. In other words, when you take a bump, you think that, you think these long miles at 4 a.m. in the morning care what your name is? So, so I think a lot of times Tessa uh, or these second generations, they don't get the credit. Tessa worked her butt off. And I was no, I was twice as hard on her as I was because of the respect I had for Tully. And, and let me tell you something. It's like a lady. A lady asked to call my school yesterday, Gary, and she wants to bring her son, and he's 18, and she wants to meet me. Well, she was asking me all these questions, and I felt like I was trying to sell her a car, to be honest with you, because right. she was just – I said, ma'am, hold on here. I said, listen. I said, and it's kind of like what you talked about, Gary. I said, ma'am, you just need to go Google me, and I'll answer a lot of your questions. And I told her, I said, if Ric Flair and Ricky Steam, if they bring their son – to you, you better know what you're doing. So, so out of respect for Tully, I was real hard on Tessa, and and I'm awful proud of her. Uh, Cedric Alexander, who's in WWE, uh, he's one of my students. I'm awful proud of him, and uh, we laugh to this day because uh, what I love to do with my students when they're ready to have a match, I did it with Tessa. I do it with all of them. Is I want to have their first match. It's like a dad having his first dance, you know, with his daughter. Right. You know, her first dance. And so I did it with Tessa. Her first match, I made her go an hour with me in a hot National Guard armory with no air conditioning. And there was probably 10 people in the audience. But she did it. And she did think she could. Cedric, first time I wrestled Cedric in his first match, his mama, his mama threw a chair at me. She thought I was hurting her. She thought I was hurting her baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, so those stories... Uh, and I'll tell you, to sum that up, Gary, real quick, we'll get on the next question. I always told Cedric, I said, Cedric, I'm so proud of you. I said, but to me, 
you can go sign a big contract, and that's important. I said, but what's really important is when I can walk in Walmart and see you hanging on the wall. In other words, your own action figure. And you know what was funny, Gary, a couple weeks ago, I go to the mailbox, and guess what? Cedric had mailed me one of his action figures. Nice. <laughs> with, with, with a little note that said, I guess I finally made it, George. So that was always our reason. Buddy, you can, you can go to WrestleMania, but to me, that's not important. I got to see you hanging in Walmart. And so he got his, what, you know, to me, and what that is that I was a part of his life and helped him, you know, it, it, it's just amazing to me that, uh, cause I ain't nobody, but I, if I can touch these young kids' lives and, you know, encourage Kessel when things get rough or Cedric and uh, it's just amazing. It's like Ricky Steamboat's son. He, uh, uh, uh Rich, he doesn't wrestle anymore, but I still talk to him, uh, you know, uh, at least twice a week. He still lives here in Charlotte. He's doing so great. Got a beautiful family. Uh, you know, got uh, three, I think three little boys, man. I just had another one. So, so just those relationships. Uh, yeah, I was their trainer, but man, they still, uh, when Tessa just, she just came home uh, a couple weeks ago, she stopped by my wrestling school just to, uh, still train a little bit and just, so that's more important to me than anything I'll ever teach them, Gary, in wrestling is that, uh, I hope that maybe I just instill something into them that they hold on to and, and they still want to be around me, so I hadn't run them off yet. So, uh, but though, but I, you know, I got I got sixty students, and I think I love them all. Um, what's amazing, Gary, is to see somebody that nobody's never heard of, that has uh, never really done anything athletic in their life, but they come to me, and 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 they, we slowly take it easy, and they're learning. Uh, they're learning to hit the ropes. They're, I mean. When you've got a woman that's really never even played kickball or done anything athletic, and she comes and she's learning to be a wrestler, that's the most amazing thing to me. First of all, that they, they trust me enough with that, but it ain't to beat them up like what happened to me in 1980, but it's to see them. Some of them I really feel like I'm saving their life because they're getting active. And I don't care if they ever go to WrestleMania. Man, we got them, we got them you know, just getting in shape a little bit and learning to hit the ropes and 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 so to me that's 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 pretty amazing how all this comes together. I I totally agree with you. I think that's a good story there. And and we got George. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up with you because I can't. Uh, you have done a marathon here with me so far, oh. and so I I have, I am so grateful to well, you. Well, next time I'll let you talk. Gary, no, okay, I no, talked for two hours. No, buddy, I. I no, I appreciate your time, buddy. No, these people are like maybe one day we'll get to have you back on here, and uh, it would. It I'd would, love to. Yeah, it would be great to have you back on. So we'll 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 save some of these uh, other little questions because you you ended it in a really good spot there, and I don't want to waste that. You 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 have been more than gracious with your time, man. It's just uh, it's so cool to see you have this resurgence too on on Circle Square, and I Thank hope you. it's not the last time we get to see you. Uh, I think a lot of people would love to see. You were even even those guys on the um, like Eli Drake who was uh, oh yeah he seemed to like he wanted to mix it up with you in the ring too oh yeah yeah they they it was amazing James Storm and all of them when we got out of the ring said when do we get our time with you <laughs> I said let me get over this one first <laughs> you know yeah no that's that's good man that's that's a good but sign. thank you no no I do a lot of listen I'm not I'm not just putting you over I do a lot of uh, podcasts and 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 
the one thing about being able to do this for 41 years is is I I don't do anything, I, and I'm not being cocky, but I don't do anything I don't want to do. I've earned that. I mean, I I think because there were times when uh, uh, I mean, I remember one time Kevin Sullivan told me to be in Atlanta, Georgia. I was in Charlotte. He told me to be in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, for a show, and it was like six o'clock already that night. And Atlanta's five hours away. And I remember right. thinking, hey, Kevin, I can't do that. He said, Well, you're 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 part of you know you better be there. And and I, of course I jumped the car and, and and of course I didn't make the show, but I tried. I drove all the way down there. I mean, I, it was just that traffic, but but I had to. And so as I look now, even with podcasts, I, I'll be honest with you, I do a lot of them that I, I can't wait for them to end. I mean, I'm not being a jerk, but I'm just saying they don't know nothing of what we're talking about. They Nothing that I say interests them. And you wonder sometimes, how do they get connected, you know, with me? Yeah. And it ain't. It, it's just crazy sometimes. And, and, and we get through it. Don't get me wrong. I'm very appreciative. I, I did one the other day, and it was just. I'm thinking if that thing ever gets played, some fan will think that we're all nuts. It's just, I don't know. It was just weird. So, uh, I mean, I, you know, what? one thing I've learned real quick there is yeah, yeah, sir. people say all the time, wrestling fans say, can you watch my match? I mean, uh, wrestlers, they say, can you watch my match? And I said, no, I'll watch the first few minutes. And they'll say, well, what are you talking about? I said, well, in about three minutes, I can tell if you know what you're doing. Gary, your fans will love this. Ric Flair used to walk. We'd be in a dressing room. Rick Flair used to walk in. He'd go to wash his hands or whatever. But he'd walk over there to just guys randomly. And he'd say, stand up, George. And I'd stand up. He'd say, lock up with me. And we'd lock up. He'd say, lock up again. And we'd lock up. And he'd say, okay, thank you. And he'd walk off. And for years, I thought, oh, my gosh, what the heck did he just do? And I saw him do that for years. And finally, I asked Ronnie Garvin one time, I said, what is he doing? And he said, oh, you don't know? I said, no. He said, he's finding out if you know what you're doing. And I said, huh? He said, oh, no, Rick can tell by a lockup if you know what the heck you're doing. So a lot of guys, Gary, never got to wrestle Rick Flair. Now I know why. Because he locked up with them sometime in that dressing room, and that's all he needed to know. Luckily, I was blessed enough to get back in the ring. So I said all that to say, I can be on the phone with somebody for two minutes and know how this thing's going to go. It ain't that I'm a psychic or I've been hit in the head too many times, but I know if I'm going to enjoy it. And, and, and I did, I enjoyed this and we'll definitely do it again. Gary. And I'm not just, you know, putting you over, but I, I, I just appreciate you taking your time. Cause I do, I, I don't know why anybody wants, I get carried away. I mean, I, I just, it starts bringing, when I walked out there at that podium through that curtain, I swear, it, it was like Gordon Soley was behind that podium. And it may have took me 41 years to find Gordon Soley behind that podium with that NWA banner. But, man, Lord, I found it. And that's my message to everybody. It may take you a little bit longer. Uh, you know, I got wrestling students now that ask me, how long is it going to take? I said, what do you mean? Take what? Well, you know, to get it big. I said, it's going to take a long time. <laughs> so you don't need to be worried about that. So. Anyway, and I'll end this with, it may have took me a long time to get to that NWA post, but, buddy, I got there. And, and you know, long after I'm gone, my grandbabies are going to be watching that interview thinking their grandpa was nuts. They won't think but, he was man, mean, that's for sure. <laughs> He's like the nicest bad guy, you know, I've ever seen he in my life. He gets us all these but, chicken nuggets, but, man. Oh, yeah, man, what, what's going on? <laughs> well, you know, they – 
when we did it, a lot of people thought I was retiring. It was funny because after I did the NWA and, and I had people saying, man, that's full circle for your career. And even though I never mentioned anything about quitting or what or whatever, people were saying, man, I guess this is like it for George. And, and of course, my kids and grandbabies were saying, uh, uh, okay, Dad, now you're not quitting, right? No, they're, <laughs> they're used to their chicken nuggets, Gary. I'm telling you, they... I ain't, I ain't got time to retire, buddy. But no, I said all that to say I just appreciate you and man, we could sit here and talk all day, buddy. But but I, I appreciate your time. We'll definitely do it again. Where you know we'll give those fans that that, that that got some questions, we'll give them a chance to get those answered. Well, yeah, in Georgia, I mean, you you just made me feel real good, and uh, it's an honor to hear that coming from you. And and so I'll I'll tell you, uh, it's mutual. I I I get a lot of those fan questions sometimes just to have something or if somebody's, yeah. you know, I don't feel like it's, you know, I want to have something to fall back on if that makes any sense, but I hadn't even really looked at any of no, that it does. <laughs> until the end. No, so. I appreciate that. And and it's like I said about Ron Bass. I love, like, especially when I do these podcasts, it's just like if me and you were, you know, my kids said, Dad, you, if you, don't go to Cracker Barrel because you'll sit outside in those rocking chairs and talk to somebody for days about wrestling, you know, and, <laughs> but thank you, buddy. We'll, we'll do it again. I, I, we're going to see how this NWA thing goes. And, and, and man, I, I, I would definitely love to be back down there. It was just first class. Yes, you know what's funny there, for me? And this, is my last, this is my last story, Gary. This we'll is my see. last promise. We've got to go. No, is they had catering, uh, you know, for NWA. Now, listen, this was Sunday morning. When we did those tapings, it was Sunday morning, 8 a.m. in the morning. Uh-huh. And, and, and you got to figure, how many things is open Sunday morning? At eight at eight a.m., so they brought in the most delicious bagels that you had ever seen. I mean, I'm not talking about like McDonald bagels. These were like top of the line bagels with every kind of topping. I didn't realize there were so many different bagels. Right. Unbelievable! And I was back there. Oh my goodness! And and this was a funny story. One of the agents come in, and I just happened to be standing there. And one of the agents said well, what's wrong with the bagels? And I said, excuse me? And he says, well, I heard that some of the wrestlers were complaining about the bagels. And, and I'm not lying to you, Gary. I started laughing. I said, sir, you can see I got three of them in my pocket. I got about four of them over on my bag. And it wasn't me that was complaining. But then here's what I was getting at. Yeah, I told the agent, I said, but let me smarten your agents up that don't know this. Most of these wrestlers may be complaining, but they don't get this everywhere else they go. Gary, does that make sense? Yeah. In other words, the rest want you to think that they get catering everywhere they went. And and you know what's funny about working for WWF and WCW? They used to play with each other. In other words, we'd go to WWF and they would have catering. Then WCW started catering. Then the business went down a little bit. WCW stopped giving catering to the wrestlers. Guess what? WWF stopped. <laughs> it's like, man, they're competing even in the kitchen. They're competing with each other. So I just thought it was comical that, man, I'm just glad to be back in Atlanta, Georgia, taping NWA TV. And, and I'm not saying some of the wrestlers didn't complain about the bagels, but I'm thinking, ain't that crazy that most of these wrestlers, I hope they appreciated it like I did. And I'm sure they did, but I'm thinking, Buddy, hey, I ain't the one complaining. I'm taking these bagels home with me. Uh, so, yeah, a, it was just great to be back in that again, buddy. That's so, a good thank life you so lesson. Much, Gary. People need to appreciate those bagels. 
Right, exactly. And I'm thinking, man, you know, it, and I looked at it too. Is 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 that's what's so special to me, Gary? They could have. There's 100 million wrestlers in the world. Old timers used to say, "We're like a dozen. We're, you know, we're like a crate of eggs." Honestly, yeah, right. You can get wrestlers for a dime a dozen. There's so many wrestlers in this world right now. It's crazy. Or people that say they're wrestlers, but for me to get that spot back on that NWA TV, 41 years later, is just. A, a, a testament to these the, the young guys that man I, I just don't quit I mean don't quit and it may be hard right now and you may not be getting no calls back from promoters and, and you may not be getting booked That's, you know I tell my students all the time just because you're told no today don't mean it's no tomorrow so let's just see how how bad you want this thing and so if anything the fans or wrestlers get out of me is man he's still awful stubborn to, to work so hard to walk back out on that NWA stage 41 years later. Man, I, I, I'm going to write another book when we hang up here. You Jerry. need to. You need to. <laughs> there you go, man. George, Mr. Well, Stuffy. thank you, buddy, so much for your time today, okay? Thank you, buddy. Five, six,